Hey designer, Kate Bendewald here. Do you know about Designers Oasis and the template shop? I'm so excited to share with you the new eDesign toolkit with everything you need to confidently offer a luxury eDesign experience for your clients. Let's be honest, eDesign has inherent pitfalls, like can you actually trust your client's measurements and how do you charge for your eDesign services? I'll give you a hint, I charge the exact same rate as I do for full service clients. The eDesign toolkit covers all of this. In the toolkit, you'll receive my own lawyer-vetted legal agreement for eDesign services, an $800 value, hello, a take-and-tweak explanation of eDesign services that you can use on your website or when you're talking to interested clients. Also included is a detailed overview of our eDesign workflow. You can use it as is or customize it with your own ideas. Perhaps my favorite part of the toolkit is the fully customizable and brandable client homework kit that you can send your client with instructions on how to measure, how to take inventory of existing items, and more. You guys, you have to make this as easy on your clients as possible, and this toolkit has everything you need to do just that. It is this process and this toolkit, which is exactly why I'm able to charge top dollar for this luxury e-design service, and you can too. And as a bonus, you'll get a recording of the live training we did a few months ago, where I go into detail on how I provide my clients a seamless e-design experience. All right, head over to designersoasis.com forward slash shop right now to pick up the e-design toolkit. And exclusively for our podcast listeners, you can get 10% off with the code eDesign10. Don't worry if you're driving, we'll link it in the show notes. Again, that's designersoasis.com and use the code eDesign10. All right, now on to the show. Hey, I'm Kate Bendewald. And I'm Leslie Myrick. We're interior designers who've been meeting every Friday for coffee to discuss the ins and outs, ups and downs of running our design businesses and decided to hit the record button. We are designers getting coffee with each other and now you. While some might choose to guard the hard-earned secrets of their design success, we've chosen to support, encourage, and empower one another to be the most kick-ass business owners possible. Welcome to the Designers Getting Coffee podcast, real talk about running your design business with head and heart. Come join the conversation. Welcome back. This is episode 42, Habits, Routines, and Boundaries to Save Your Sanity. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Kate. You kind of sounded like a flight attendant the way you did that intro. I loved it. And now this is episode 42. The exits are in the front, two over the wing, and two in the rear. Welcome to Designers Getting Coffee. Speaking of putting your mask on first, that is appropriate. (laughs) Do you know, I had childhood dreams of being a flight attendant. That's all I wanted to do was to be a flight attendant. I was obsessed. That's amazing. Flight attendants and ice skating uh, figure skaters, which... I had never been on skates, ice skates in my life. <laughs> I, grew up, I always wanted grew to be a fashion, fashion designer, but I hate sewing. And for a long time, even as like a young adult, I wanted to be a barista. Like I've always wanted to work at Starbucks. <laughs> ah, I was a barista, uh, not at Starbucks. Um, at, oh my gosh, this is going to make me sound old. What was the name of that place? Uh, Julia something. Anyway, yeah, I was in the mall. <laughs> You're so fancy. I was 17. Yep. Anyway. This is a fun tangent, but totally (laughs) irrelevant. (laughs) What other random job have you had? Okay. What what was your first job? 
my first like real job, I babysat all the time in high school, but my first real job actually was working. I don't want to use the name was working at a fast food place where it was brand new and they didn't have good processes in place. And like, they didn't have gloves for us while we cleaned our hands and used that horrible chemical soap. And I walked out after a week and I was like, bye. My first real job that I loved was a movie theater. I worked there for a couple of years, which is funny because I don't like being up late. I don't like watching movies and TV in the dark. And I don't like movies. I don't like movies. So I don't know why that was a good fit, but it was a blast. Okay. You don't like movies. You don't like butterflies. Butterflies are too erratic. I saw one today. Oh my God. Even Nate was like, that one was so erratic. I was like, I know this is why I stay away from them. I get that moths are erratic and annoying, but butterflies, you've got to be kidding me. Doesn't like movies or butterflies. There's like other things I know you don't like, and I can't remember what they were. They're so- Movies make me fall asleep. I don't have the attention span. I will binge watch a series for like four hours and I'm good with that, but movies, I got to be doing something else. I can't just sit there and watch TV for two hours. You want to- Okay, this is the last thing, and then I swear to God, we'll move on. I am like you. I will fall asleep in movies unless I've seen the movie before in its entirety. There's something about it. I it, I stay awake for the whole thing. But like movies, new movies are impossible it's unless I'm at the theater. Then it's different. But nobody's I at still the th- fall asleep. Nobody's at the theater right now. So no. okay, before we move on, I got to know what was your first job. We've never oh, talked about this before. I don't I know, know this about your past oh well okay so I started babysitting when I was 10 um by the way I, I don't know a 10 year old I would hire to watch my kids I but, was the same thing. <laughs> but, crazy. So, but I was watching my neighbor's kids at 10 I don't know if this counts but we used to I used to go to a summer camp that had an internship program and I started working there when I was 14 in the summers and I would get up at 5 a.m and make breakfast it's so funny you say that camp. because so did Campers. I I forgot that I used to volunteer and work it's at a summer camp from when I was like child 13 <laughs> It's actual child labor. Um, I, looking back as an adult, I don't agree on their practices and what they were doing, but I did it. And I think it actually set the stage for having really good, um, work ethic. Um, and so in that respect, it, it was good, but ask, I don't know it, I wasn't getting paid and I was 14 and I was waking up at 5am and making breakfast for 500 campers or whatever it was. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe I'd have to think about that one and see if I, if I'm okay with it, but I don't really think I am. I think it's a little young. Um, but yeah, after that, I think it was probably, it was probably restaurants because I worked in restaurants forever from the time I was like 16 till I was like 26. (laughs) I've never worked at a restaurant. Oh my God. I think everybody should be required to work at a restaurant at some point in their life. You learn so much about yourself and human beings and it actually gave gave me a lot of skills that I still use today, you know, shuffling, like juggling a lot of things at once and basically project management and how to deal with the public and communicating to the back of house staff and the chef and the manager and your clients and your coworkers. And so I tell people all the time that are, there's a lot of college students that are in design school and they're frustrated because they have to work in restaurants because the hours are the hours are good. You know, I can go into work at like 5 PM and get out by 10 and make a couple of hundred dollars. So I did that throughout college, but I tell them all the time that, you know what, you're going to gain valuable skills at pretty much any job that you do. But restaurants in particular, my experience was that I, I learned a lot of great 
valuable skills that I still carry with me today. So if you're listening and that's you and you feel like you're in an irrelevant job, um, I would encourage you to think about the skill set that you have developed in any job um, and how you can apply that to being an interior designer. How did you like that segue? That was so <laughs> sexy, Bendawal. That was perfect. I had the same thought. I was like, I might have done jobs you know, over the course of my life that have felt irrelevant. But Mm -hmm. I was actually talking with my husband just last night about that, about a job I had that was in corporate doing social media and photo styling. And, you know, it was frustrating being in a corporate environment. And if you guys have ever had that experience, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen telling you what to do. And there's a lot of red tape. But we were just sort of breaking down the lessons I've learned through that job. I mean, everything has value, even if it's a job you don't love, even if it's not all related to design, there's always a skill you can be learning from that and applying to where you are now. So yeah, this 100%. is fun. This should, We could go into like depth on this in another episode, but let's talk about <laughs> what we're talking about before we lose everybody because yes. I'm excited about today's topic so much. Yeah. You know, I'm a oh, nerd. I know you do love your routine. Um, I do. And I think that today's episode is going to be um, a little bit of me interviewing you <laughs> because while I am, I do, I think I am really good at holding boundaries in a lot of areas. Um, I do have certain habits that I definitely make a priority in my business. Um, I'm routined on the daily level and like the batching my day level, but getting into this like finite daily routine is not something that I've done. Um, but I would like to pick your brain a little bit about that today because I am finding myself in an entirely new weekly routine. And I think that some of the things you do could be helpful for me. And I just have a lot of questions around that, but just quick backstory. Um, if you haven't heard any of the last couple of episodes, I had recently, uh, relocated back to Denver. Um, during the COVID crisis. So that was interesting. Um, we are now here and I have childcare three days a week, um, which is new for me. I've always had full-time childcare. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to figure out how to get more done in, in, in a day and to prioritize that. And it's, we've only been at this new routine for about two weeks. And so, um, I think that it's time for me to, um, really think about my days since I only have her here from our nannies here for me to do, you know, really making those hours count. And if I do need to squeeze in some other work, other times to schedule that. So I want to hear, I have a lot of questions for you. I want to hear what you do. I will share the habits and boundaries that I do have, but, um, yeah, so let's dive in. I, um, I know Leslie, you keep your children on a pretty, uh, pretty strict routine, which I think is good for kids. Kids need predictability. Kids need to know what to expect. And it just makes everyone's lives easier. Um, I haven't always been uh, super routined with my kids. So tell me about the routine that you have with your kids. And I'll just quickly say, and then I'll let you talk. Um, I was inspired by you last week when we talked about this. And so and realizing that my kids really do need a better routine. And so just this morning, I 
put together a, I worked with my nanny to come up with a schedule that really works for our family and made it cute and pretty and printed it out. Um, and they had a little paper clip that they moved down the schedule throughout the day to keep visual track of where they are on their schedule and know what to expect next. So tell me about your kids' routines and, and how does that help you with your business? That is an awesome question, and I fully agree with you about kids needing routines and boundaries, especially Ford, my six-year-old. He's a lot like me. He's the kid that will ask us every five minutes what time it is because he just wants to know what to expect and when what's next is coming and what's going on. It drives my husband crazy, but I get it as someone who wears a watch 24-7 pretty much. I like to know what time it is. I like to know what to expect. I like to know roughly what my day is going to be and how things are going to fall into place. And so with Ford being in kindergarten this past year, he's going into grade one. And my daughter being at a full-time daycare, for well, not right this minute, but for the last year and a bit, they are really big on routines and schedules. And it really helps kids have just a sense of control, a sense of understanding, Mm -hmm. knowing what's up. And that's something that I have found valuable for me personally is to have a routine and a schedule and time blocking my week. And we'll get into all the nitty gritty of this. But for my kids, when quarantine started, I mean, we were going crazy. And it's so easy as working parents to stick your kids in front of the TV for four hours and go get some stuff done and they'll do it and they'll be okay. But gosh, they're (laughs) monsters afterwards. Plus it's just not good for them. It's not good for any of us. Okay. So so your kids are also like complete aliens after they've been on the screen for a long time. Oh yes. And I will say (laughs) our current current schedule and we don't have a nanny. It's Nate and I splitting up half a day here, half a day there, giving us, giving each other time to work and taking the kids the other time. And yeah, it has been necessary and valuable. And also our, our schedule has like three hours of screen time a day for our kids. I know that might seem like a lot for some people. It might seem like barely any for others. And I don't want this to be a debate about what should be on the routine, But for us, breaking up inside play and outside play and screen time and snacks and that kind of thing has been really helpful. And using a timer as part of it, too, because Ford's old enough to tell time. Asley is, too. She's not. And I have this um, physical timer that sits in the living room and I can program it and they can see it counting down and they can hear it beep. And it's like, it's a cue for them. They understand when the timer goes off, we're moving on to something else. So if you have young kids, that may be a way to help implement this and enforce this if this is not going well. But yeah, I'll jump in and say that I bought the time timer uh, and I'll mention this, I'll, we'll put this in the resources mentioned, but it's a visual timer for kids that can't tell time. So like my younger one, that's really helpful for her. I love that. The timer my kids use is actually one that I bought for me to use when I was working on client projects to keep track of time better, but uh, the kids hijacked it and it's pretty much theirs now. So it's doing the job. But yeah, so our our days with the kids roughly is, you know, they wake up, they both wake up at seven. Well, they're usually up before seven, but they wait in their rooms till seven. I would love it if my kids didn't wake up till seven. I know. Ford is an early bird. He's usually up before six and he's not allowed to get out of bed and play until six. But yeah, anywho. Um, yeah, we do from seven to seven thirty. It's like breakfast, getting ready, getting dressed, all the things we do to start the day. And then they've got about an hour of playtime, seven thirty to eight thirty. 
At 8.30, they can have an hour of TV. 9.30, we have snack. And then we go outside from 10 to 11. They come back in for more TV and then lunch. And then my favorite two hours of the day, 12.30 to 2.30, is nap time for the little one and what we have dubbed quiet playtime for Ford, which is two hours in his room with the door closed. Basically, the equivalent of a nap for a six-year-old. And Nate and I get two legitimately quiet hours to ourselves to take a nap or get some work done or run an errand or whatever it might be. So that's been super valuable. And then the afternoon is just, you know, another hour of TV and then another hour outside. And we just try to keep the day broken up so -hmm. that they're moving, they're resting, they're kind of getting a mix. And the predictability has worked well for our kids. I think even if kids resist it, they need it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not an early childhood educator, but Kate, you and I have been so fortunate to have an incredible woman in Waco take care of most of our children. Nell was too old, but the rest of our kids have all gone to her. And that was a big part of how they ran things there is similar to you, a visual schedule, move the little paperclip down throughout the day so the kids know what's happening. And it just creates a sense of calm and control where kids don't get a lot of that in the world. And I think having a routine is great. And when they're at school, it's a natural thing, but home is not. So I don't know. For us, I'm all for it. It has worked so well for our family. And yeah, I like it. I'm all for it. It makes the days less crazy feeling. That's great. Well, wish me luck uh, as I try to implement this over the next couple of days and then pass off the new routine to our, our nanny. Um, yeah. And I just think parents that are um, working from home and, you know, are in my shoes and have not implemented a routine because it's felt too hard to do. <laughs> um, I get it. Um, it's, it's not easy, but um, I think, I think it's worth a shot. So, okay. So that's like your family daily routine. Um, so generally we are talking about this idea of just as adults, we also need routine and habits in order to have predictability and help us keep our sanity. Um, I mean, within reason, there are lots of other things that can challenge our sanity. I realize there's been a lot going on in the world right now, and it has really rocked my sanity and um, some personal ways. Um, we're not going to get into that right now here Um because I can guarantee you I'm not an expert in these things. And um, there are certainly better people to talk about those than that. But um, at least in terms of running a household and running a business, having some predictability, some scheduling, and some boundaries and routines is super important. I will say that I batch my days, and I'd love to hear how you batch your days. Um, So batching your days basically is, if, if you're unfamiliar with this idea, it's that you do certain things on certain days. So for me, for example, Monday is money Monday. And that means that if I have any financial uh, work that needs to happen personally or in business, it usually happens on Monday. Um, It's when I check in with my accountant. It's when I pay bills. And if I have something that comes up on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday that I know is money related, I uh, I use Boomerang and Gmail. And so I'll just tell it, hey, come back to me on Monday and I'll make myself just a little task reminder in Google Tasks, which is a new, they just added in Google the little check mark task feature. 
And I've been using that a little bit lately and I really like it. Um, I use Asana for project management. So that's like bigger projects, but these like little one-off tasks using that little task tool and the Gmail feature is super awesome. So um, yeah, if I have something that comes up related to money on a different day of the week, I will just schedule it to revisit it on Monday. So that way I'm not flip-flopping between like creative work for clients or working on different projects and switching my brain to the financial side of things. That's all sort of done in one fell swoop. For me, we've talked about this recently. I take a little bit of time to get kind of into the groove of what it is that I'm doing. Um, And so I am just in the mindset of money on Monday. And then I have Tuesdays and Wednesdays are project related. Um, Thursdays I set aside for education and coursework because I am taking several courses right now. Um, I am behind, (laughs) but whatever, (laughs) such is life. Um, But I do know that I set aside uh, time on on those days. And now we're doing podcasting on Thursday. So that's also part of that day. And then right now I'm taking Fridays off. So I would encourage you listeners, if you um, have not batched your days to think about a weekly routine that would make sense for you, your week is going to look different than mine, different from Leslie's, which I want to hear how you might batch your week, um, just so that you can create some predictability. Um, and you're not feeling like, I think we talked about this last episode, the, the biggest problem with overwhelm that business owners and interior designers feel, I think is there's, they lack, we lack a sense of prioritization. Um, if we don't give action items priority, Otherwise, everything feels urgent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everything feels like it needs to happen today. And it generally doesn't. Um, And so assigning priority to tasks and batching is one way that you can do that, batching your week. And then you can go the next level deep, which is creating routine in your day, which I want Leslie to talk about because I think you're an expert in that. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, that Leslie has more hours in the day than the rest of us. So, <laughs> but I That's think because that, I do this, I was going to say, and I think the reason I feel that way is this is her secret sauce. So before we dive into a daily routine, tell me, do you batch your days and what do your days look like? Yes, I do batch the days of the week, and this was born out of necessity because I felt overwhelmed, and I felt like, you know, I would be in the groove of working on a client project, and then I'd be like, oh, I have a consultation call with a new client, and it would totally pull me into a new headspace, or... I realized I don't like talking to people on Mondays. I like to get work done behind the scenes. And I'd have someone book a call or the phone would ring and I'd just kind of be like, F, man, I don't want to do that. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. This isn't how you run a business. Like, I get to choose. I don't have to answer the phone Mondays. I don't have to schedule calls on Fridays. And so... I will say I do do that too. I don't book any... Other than my bookkeeper, I don't book calls or appointments with people on Monday and it is glorious. (laughs) So I'm the same way. Monday is for internal stuff. So for me, Mondays are in the office, business development, marketing, content creation. So I'm doing blogging, all that kind of stuff, my newsletters. I do my Facebook and Instagram live show, Bust Out of Boring, on Monday afternoons. 
I edit that into a podcast, and I also block off an hour at the end of the day to exercise, which I have not been good at actually following through on, but it is on my calendar. (laughs) And then this is, and I'm talking about sort of like my quote regular routine. Like Kate said, the summer and quarantine, things are a bit different. And Fridays, I'm not doing much work, but ideal week. Tuesday through Thursday is client work and and meetings with clients. I will spend some of that, like I think I usually go Wednesday mornings. I spend half a day downtown at a co-working space. So it's networking and getting work done kind of breaks things up. And then on a normal Friday, whatever that means now, I work out in the morning and then Kate and I were doing podcasting for the bulk of Friday. And that has been really helpful. I don't even try to book something on Friday because I know I'm working on the podcast. Monday, we don't touch it. So whenever someone wants to book a call or a consultation, my online scheduler only has me available Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Boom. It has really, really helped to have that boundary in place. And it has made me have, like Kate always so kindly says, more hours in the day than everyone else. And it's because I'm not getting pulled different directions and I'm not getting my groove thrown off by well-meaning people who are screwing up my workflow. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. I love that. That makes a lot of sense. And I do, Mm -hmm. to your point, um, you know, those of us, whether you have kids or not, give yourself grace um, during these really trying times where we know that everybody's out of, you know, now we're not in our typical routine, but to the extent that you can, I think it is a, a sanity saver when you can create some predictability. I'm just making some notes here. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, I need to add this to my routine because it's what something you just said. I just wrote down. But anyway. you know, this, this is one of those very like grown up feeling things to me where no one's going to hold your hand and tell you, you have to do this or show you how to do it. Like this needs to be you taking ownership of your days, your business and the boundaries you place on your life. Like, you know, we talk about the working days Monday to Friday. Well, within that, my working hours right now are nine to five. If my phone rings after hours, I don't answer it. If someone emails me or texts or, gosh, I get a lot of people DMing me on Facebook with like work-related questions, but they're friends or friends of friends. And I will ignore it until the following morning because that's work. It's different from something personal, and I put a task in Asana so I don't forget because holy moly is it easy to forget, and I actually don't love when people contact me on those channels, like DM DMs on Instagram or Facebook messages when it's about work, but people do it, and of course I want to be available, but I'm not going to respond at 10.30 at night just because somebody messaged me at 10.30 at night. I'm going to wait for the morning, put it in, put a task in, and handle it during business hours. And that's helped to batching all those communications together. So that's also is sort of bundled with this idea of creating boundaries. Um, I know I do this and I think you do too. So if somebody like a potential new client contacts me outside of my preferred method of communicating, which is to go to my website and book a call with me, um, let's say it's DM or it's just a friend of a friend and they email me directly. I will, my response to them, correct, will not be in that very moment. It will be at the next morning during business hours. But um, 
I won't try to engage them there. Instead, I will direct them to the website and direct them to here's how to schedule a call with me and let them know like, this is how to communicate with me. This is how to get started um, is to schedule a call. Uh, We've talked about scheduling calls on here. Don't we're blue in the face. So if you're new to Designers Oasis, this is like if we have a 10 commandments list, which maybe we should create that could be fun (laughs) is um, to make clients work within what whatever way makes sense for you and i think the beauty of scheduled calls is there's a there's a lot there you're you're in the right headspace you're ready for it you don't have kids screaming you're not driving in your car they're not cold calling you um so to the extent that you can get people and funnel them into your uh, acceptable way of contacting you um i we recommend that you do that Yep, I totally agree with that. And I will say when it is a potential new client, if they Facebook message me on a Monday at 1 p.m., I will respond to them on Monday. I'm not going to make a potential lead who is eager and wanting to talk wait until Tuesday. But if they message me at 7 at night, then I will do my best to be a big girl and not acknowledge until the next day because I don't want to set up the expectation from the beginning that I'm on their beck and call at their beck and call 24 seven because that's not how I run my business. Bingo. Yar. Okay. So that's kind of like the big picture for the week. And of course, you know, I have my daily routines. Okay. So this is like next level. Um, routines and habits and boundary setting. So I don't do this. Um, I, well, okay. So very loosely what I do is I, when I sit down and I start working, I do not open my email right away. The very first thing that I do is I work on any creative work that is set for that day. And the reason for that is everybody knows email can become a rabbit hole that you just can't get out of. And so for me, I'm a morning person and I am my most creative in the morning. And so I like to create space around that. And then it's around noon where I will pick up with email and just checking off some, some tasks and that sort of thing. So, but beyond that, I don't even wake up at the same or go to bed at the same time every day. It's all over the map. I, um, I used to schedule, um, oh, that's my child screaming. Um, <laughs> I used to set my alarm on my phone to remind me to go to bed at a certain time because I was trying to get in the habit of going to bed at 10 and that worked really well. And I probably should try that again. Um, so that's, that's as routine as I've ever been in my daily schedule. So I want to hear from you, Leslie, how do you schedule your days and what can I do better? Well, bedtime is a good time to start your next day. And if you have an iPhone, which I know you do, girl, um, there's now, in addition to the alarms, there's a bedtime you can set and you can set a reminder before bedtime to just gently ding and say, hey, girl. Time yeah. to get ready for bed now. That's what I used. So, do that. Um, okay, so my morning routine. I wake up at 6, which sounds bananas with kids being home and, you know, not a normal routine. But that's really important. I heard me. an interview with Jasmine Starr who wakes up at 4 a.m. every day. I was like, yeah. God help me. No, that's not I, happening. <laughs> a lot of this I have learned and adapted from Rachel Hollis because I think she's she's got this stuff locked down, the idea of habits and consistency and routines and personal health. And so my goal every day, wake up at six with eight hours of sleep. So I need to be asleep by 10 is my goal. 
last night. I did not quite get there. I think it was like 20 after, but I'm still in bed and we're, we're working on it. But I choose to get up at six. My husband doesn't get up till 8.30. So my kids don't get up till seven. And so I'm the only crazy who's awake at 6 a.m. But I, that morning, that sweet, precious morning hour when nobody is talking to me <laughs> and nobody needs anything mom, and mom, nobody mom, is, mom, oh, mom, mom, never stops, mom. girl. <laughs> Yeah, I have found there are so many days where I'm tempted to turn off my alarm and be like, I'll just get up at seven when the kids get up. And I'm telling you guys, I I don't know what it is, but if I am not up and dressed and have had a few minutes to myself before my kids get up, my whole day is in the toilet. I just feel like I'm behind from minute one. I hate how I feel when I'm waking up reactive to the mm-hmm. kids and not proactive and kind of ahead of them. <laughs> That's like, it's like yeah. playing whack-a-mole. I'm like, I'm just going to get ahead of you by one hour. Can, so, I, can I interrupt you and ask you a question? Of course. How do you train your children to stay in bed until the the certain time? Because my kids wake up at 6.30 and that would mean I'd have to wake up at 5.30 and that's not happening. Yeah. Okay. So, so Ford loves schedules and time and routines. He's been easy. He's always gotten, look at the number on the clock. If the first number is not a seven, stay in your room. If it's not a six. I need to get a clock for my kids' room. A digital clock is helpful. But for younger kids, we have... It's funny. I was texting a friend of ours today, Kate, with this same clock because she was asking. And the clock I have for my my little kid is called OK to Wake. And it's this cute little, I don't know, spherical, domey clock. And it glows green when it's time to wake up. So you can oh have a nap gosh. timer. Yeah. So Hasley's too. She can't tell time. But for whatever reason, both of my kids, this clock is like the be all and end all. Like they will not leave their rooms until the green light is on. And they just think it's, I don't know, it's the best. Every morning Hasley's like, mom, I waited till the green light came on. I was like, congratulations. I got an hour alone. This is perfect. I so we'll, just we'll ordered that on at, Amazon. Because <laughs> it is... I like that one particularly because the lights, um, the numbers don't glow at night. It's completely dark at night. I didn't want something for the little kid that, that glowed. Anyway, I love that thing. It's worked for both my kids. So if you're struggling with that with your little ones, that clock has been a game changer because they Question. see it glow green. Mm-hmm. This is random. There's a $50 clock called OK to Wake and a $30 clock. Oh, no. Never mind. There's you literally are on Amazon right I now like, doing this, aren't you? Well, because I just added yeah, it to right. my cart and I was like, I think that's the wrong one. Anyway, I'll let you link bucks. it. Yeah. Okay, great. That's been a great tool. So sorry if you don't have kids. That's totally useless information. But if you've got littles, that's been a, a big help for us is that visual thing. And then once Ford got old enough to read the clock, we got him a cool digital clock for his room. He, You know, we don't set an alarm or anything, but he has big numbers. He can see all night. He can wake up and know if he's supposed to be up or not, which is really useful when you're sick. I like literally have butterflies in my stomach. I can't get this to my house fast enough. Okay. You're going to have a good night in a couple nights when these deliveries come, girl. Actually, these girls are about to be in for a rude awakening because it's about to be boot camp up in here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, that's a good thing you you mentioned about the kids because that is crucial. I couldn't get that hour. I mean, Ford comes downstairs all the time anyway with questions, whatever. That's a different story. But that is, that is how I start my day. And what I do with that hour is I'm up at six. I get dressed. I throw my hair up in my bun. I start my day by listening to the Bible. I am a Christian. That's important to me. I don't like to sit and read it, but there's a great podcast and app. So I put that on one and a half speed in my ears and I make my latte. And then I use the rest of that hour to read. I 
whether it's a library book or a magazine, or I'm really getting into like eBooks. I never thought I would like reading on my phone or a tablet, but I'm here for it and it's good. Hey, and real I just, quick, I think mm-hmm. you glossed over something really important. So I don't have that particular reading routine, but I do like to read in the morning. Um, but listening to your audio things on one and a half speed, I never thought Sometimes they that. just talk too slow, right? Even regular podcasts, but yeah, you can do that in the podcast, Apple Podcasts app. Speed well, it up I a little saw bit. it. I just never, just never thought to do that. Okay, good to there know. There you go. Efficiency, my friend. I only have an hour. I need to use it as well as I can. Yeah, yeah. That is important to me to start the day with that and not have that be an afterthought at the end of the day. And so that first hour really sets me up to be a good human, <laughs> a good mom, a good person to be around. Because mama can get cranky when she doesn't get alone time. And when I start my day at 7, bleary-eyed, and the kids are already up, and they're awake, and they're not necessarily in the best mood, then it's hard. (laughs) It's hard to be a good person when that's what you're doing right out of the gate. But when I've had an hour to myself and a good cup of coffee, and I've been reading for half an hour, it's just... It's nice. It's worth dragging my tired butt out of bed at six. I don't want to sugarcoat this and say it's easy because every morning I'm like, man, I don't want to. But I have found it is there. I don't even know who did this quote, but this always inspires me. This idea of you have a choice and it's either discipline or regret. Those are really your two choices when faced with any decision. So I'm like, do I want to be disciplined to get out of bed or am I going to, do I want to regret this <laughs> in an hour? So I am, I'm working on choosing discipline even when it is hard, but yeah, Good that's how I start you. my day. Thanks girl. Trying to be a better Leslie. <laughs> no, I, I think it's great. I'm, I'm going to try this. Oh, you can get up at six and you, oh, I could be your accountability buddy because you're two hours earlier than me. So it'll already be eight. I can call you at 6.02 and be like, hey, so it's just the morning routine. And then, you know, kids are up. It's, it's kid stuff for an hour or two. And my husband and I are kind of juggling, you know, I get to work two mornings a week and then I get two afternoons and vice versa. And then Fridays are kind of a free for all. So when I do start work, surprise, I have another routine of how I kickstart my workday, whether it's at nine o'clock or one o'clock. It depends what day it is. So I start every workday. Well, let me say I should start every workday. And when I do this, I always have a better day, but sometimes I skip it and then I regret it. But I start every day. I've got a nice little black moleskin notebook, I put pen to paper, and I kind of do like a daily combination of like journal slash planning my day. So I have taken some of these things from Rachel Hollis. She's got great stuff about daily journaling and goal setting and habits and everything. I've mismatched other ideas and thoughts from people. But what I do, I call it my five by four. So I do, I list out my five most valuable priorities for the day. I love that Kate is literally taking notes, you guys. This is a hoot. You've talked about five by four before and I forgot about it. Tell me, remind me what it's so what it's all about. the first the first group of five things is my five most valuable priorities for the day, with the top one being first. I realize, yes, by the definition of priority, you can't have more than one. Just go with it. The five most important things I need to get done today usually business focused, but if there's a big personal thing, like a doctor appointment for a kid or whatever, that goes on there too, because that's not negotiable for my day. Um, The next thing is the five habits I'm working on developing right now. The next is five goals that I'm working towards for the year. And then five things I'm grateful for. 
So that's the five by four. Five things in four categories that I'm focusing on and remembering for the day. And it has it always helps me to A, figure out what my priorities are for the day and make sure I get those done and remind myself of the habits I'm working on. I'm going to drink three bottles of water today. I'm going to get eight hours of sleep and get up at 6 a.m. I'm not going to browse social media when I'm bored. (laughs) I'm going to pick up a book instead. And that helps to have it written down. And then a new thing I started adding, I was, gosh, I read so much and I listen to so many podcasts. I don't remember the source of this. I think it was a book, not that that's helpful to you. But I heard someone talking about the idea of like, as, as a Christian, as a believer, a question that this person asked themselves every morning was just, what's today, God? And just listening and seeing like, what adventure, what thing, what do you need to be focused on? And it's amazing to just sit there for a minute and be like, all right, what you got for me? And just kind of see what see what floats into my brain hole. Lately, it has been <laughs> about listening and resting and not doing things, which is funny because it's part of my getting things done routine. Mm-hmm. But I have found that question to be very helpful. So whether, whether you are religious, a Christian, Muslim, whatever, there's, I think, you can always frame that question differently of just like sitting quietly, just taking 20 seconds to say, okay, what what's today? What do I need to know? What do I need to do? What do I need to feel or be aware of? And that's been a really helpful question for me to just mm-hmm. kind of set, set up what the bigger picture or the deeper meaning is instead of always getting caught up in what I am hoping to <laughs> cross yeah. off my list every day. Yeah. And then I love that, you know, and I, uh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I would just tag on that. I, I have been making that a habit that, um, so I have used the full focus planner by Michael Hyatt, Ooh, which I, I love Michael Hyatt. yeah. So if, um, so she mentioned Rachel Hollis. Um, I really like Michael Hyatt's stuff too. So if, if you're looking for more information on these, this topic, those are some, some resources that we'll link in the, yeah, they both have great podcasts. But um, for sure, one of the habits that I do is before I open my laptop and I start to dive into the the grind is just to take a minute and I take a deep breath and I have just a few moments of gratitude. And it's that, that gratitude that. for the things that I have and for the opportunity that I have to serve people and to do the work that I love and for the resources and the network and all of that and to not take that for granted sets the tone for the day. So your gratitude practice could look different if you're listening to this, but I think the point is taking a hot second (laughs) to just slow the heck down, show some gratitude, say a prayer, whatever that looks like for you and do that first. Yep. And all of this journaling, gratitude, praying, thinking, whatever combination works for you, it's again this idea of being disciplined and starting your day proactively instead of reacting to your inbox or to your phone ringing or to whatever might be happening. Like this this stuff that I do, this 30-minute-ish routine, this is before my, quote, workday starts. Like, this isn't something that is going to get interrupted because I've planned it as such. And I never want this to be an afterthought. It is literally in my calendar. I do it every morning. There's no need for me to see it in my calendar. But there's still something really valuable about putting that in and saying, you know, from on most days, from 8.30 to 9, this is what I am doing. 
And the last thing I do, and this might be controversial, but I check social media. I There's five places I go. My personal Facebook, my business Facebook, um, my personal Instagram, Designers Getting Coffee Instagram, and LinkedIn. And I respond to comments and inquiries. I engage with a few people and just let them know I'm alive and I'm listening. And then I don't go on social media again until the next morning. Ideally, I say this, this is aspirational. I'm not always perfect at this, especially now with more downtime. I'm like, I'm going to scroll Instagram for 10 minutes. But my goal is to make social media a strategic part of my life and business and not have it swallow my day. So my goal is like, get her done. Because I know if I don't do it first thing, I'm going to be thinking about it all morning. Like, what if there's a message? What if there's a comment? I just do it. I leave it. And the goal is that I don't come back to it till tomorrow. So that's been a new habit I'm working on. To be clear, you're just checking in with social media. You're not actually doing your planning and that sort of thing during that 30 Correct. minutes. Yes, that's a great distinction. This is me checking in, responding to comments, saying happy birthday to people, scrolling my feed briefly, and just you know engaging, interacting with people I know and love or want to connect with, and then getting the heck out of there and not getting sucked in for an hour. But no, this is different than creating content and scheduling and planning social media, this is really 10 minutes of engaging daily. Great. I love it. Yeah. And then before I get started with work, I look at my calendar and if needed, I block out times in the calendar for the day. So if I'm working on a client project, I'll probably, you know, and if that's my most valuable priority, I'll block out, you know, nine to 12 X client project work. 12 to 1230 would be lunch. You know, one to two could be this, two to 330 could be this. And I figure out what it's going to take and block it in because it's easy to list five things, but if they're five huge things you can't bite off in a day, you're going to leave that day feeling disappointed and behind. So it's important to get real with your time. And then when something urgent comes up, if you don't have time for it in that day and it's not a real emergency, it does not get done that day because you have a plan for your day. I think that's a big important thing to note here is this is about 100%. Proactive, we should just call this episode like just be proactive, everybody. Being reactive well, sucks so hard. I, that, that is, you know, even though I don't, you know, fine tune my day to the level that you do, I do still have a lot of the same habits. For, mm-hmm. You know, that, for example, reacting to things, you know, if it's going to take more than five minutes of my time, um, and it's not a priority, then it waits either till the very end of the day or the next day. Um, you know, if it's a quick, if I can, if it's something I can check off in like a minute or two, it makes sense to do it sometimes, but I agree with that. Co- collectively, um, you know, if it takes more than that, then it, it needs to get scheduled. Yep. And I mentioned and I it. Think that, and I think that, you know, people listening to that, especially when you're just getting started, there can, there are certain things that do require urgency mm-hmm. and, and being able to differentiate, you know, what is urgent and what is an emergency. And I can guarantee you there's probably never going to be a time in your career where you have an actual business emergency. I don't care if you have a ticked off client that is angry and yelling at you and blaming you for something, whether you're responsible for it or not, even that does not warrant an emergency. (laughs) Um, Of course it needs to be dealt with. Yes. It needs to be in a timely manner, but this idea of 
taking a second and not reacting to things as they roll your way um, is a really important habit to get used to doing. Um, Otherwise, you're not in control of your day. You're not running a business like a CEO. You are reacting to the whim of of everybody else. So Exactly. Love it. Yeah. Go on. I like that we're all on the same page here. Yeah. And that that's that's kind of the the crux of it is that we get to choose, you guys. We are choosing to be business owners and to have this, and we get to make the rules. It's awesome. And of course, you want to respect other people and respond timely and be a good human and all of that. But you get to choose what you respond to and when. I think a lot of us feel pressured that when a text comes in or an email, we need to jump on it right now. And it's just not the case. In fact, honestly, I think sometimes it can make you look too eager. Like, shouldn't Mm -hmm. you be doing, like, how did you write me back in 28 seconds after I hit send? Like, aren't you doing other client work? I don't know. I think it sets up a poor expectation of you being available immediately all the time. And then when you're not, people don't understand what's going on and they're frustrated. So anyway, yeah. Yes. Yes to all of this. This is a great, I love this. This is such a good topic. Okay. (laughs) So that's kind of, that's kind of my day. I don't really have a shutdown routine. I usually try to. I do. You do? Okay. I I I guess I do, but it's not so documented, but what's yours? Yours sounds your sounds good. It's real simple. Um, and actually it's from Michael Hyatt. It's so I would be in the habit of like working until the very, 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 very last second that I had to leave to go pick up my kids from whatever, mm-hmm. or in this case, like the nanny having to leave it to. And I have set the expectation that starting about five or 10 minutes before <laughs> I usually have like the caps to all my pens are off. <laughs> So I put the caps on all my pens and I put my pens and pencils away. I, I use color coded everything. And so that's why I have all these pens out. Um, I will look at my list and anything that didn't get done, um, that wasn't a priority that I, I highlight it and that becomes a, a priority either for later that day, if I can squeeze it in or the next morning. Um, and I close my tabs. I don't leave 5,000 tabs open on my computer. Um, and I take a quick peek at what I have to do for the next day just to jog my memory so that it's not a, a surprise. I, I Admittedly, I have been, especially since we've been out of our standard routine, kind of surprised or about things on my schedule. Like, oh crap, I forgot about that. <laughs> and that is the worst. Yeah. That is very reactionary and I can't stand it. And so that's a habit that I've, now that we're, I have an, an actual office again and I'm not, you know, working from the cabin, then it feels easier to, to do that shutdown routine um, because I have a desk. So, yep. It's just seeing what didn't get done making a note of it closing tabs, closing up my pens, checking my calendar for the next day. The pen thing makes me laugh. I'm like, I get that girl. I have been there. Yeah. I guess I've never thought of myself as having a shutdown routine, but mine is similar. I put all the things away. I tidy up. I've got a great work table that I can leave, you know, projects spread out on, but I'm not going to leave clutter. Yeah. Yeah. And then tidying up up the desk, you know, I've usually got like coffee cup, a water glass. Yes. I want to come into a tidy office in the morning. I'm not going to 
take care of yesterday's crap the next day when I'm trying to get ahead. And then one thing I've started doing is shutting off all the lights and shutting the door. Because usually my office just, you know, it's in next to our living room. It's right inside the front door. I usually just left the door open and left the lights on. I'd shut it off at bedtime. But lately I have been really shutting down and it's felt nice. It's made me really excited to get back down there in the morning and turn on the lights and start my day and dive into things when it's time. I'm, I know I'm such a nerd. No, but I just, it feels I love good. I, I'm like, I'm like, I, I think I need to go talk to Michael tonight and see if we can do an extra day of childcare because three days a week feels, <sighs> yeah. I think, and I, and I think that that's the thing that maybe a lot of people are struggling with is they're having, um, a reduced work week, you know, mm-hmm. or they're trying juggle this with kids without any childcare. And that can be really hard. And that right now feels very overwhelming. I know what needs to get done during the week. I've got two projects going on in two different States, actually three in two, three different States. I'm running a podcast. I'm running my designers Oasis business and trying to raise kids and doing it on six, 10, 24 hours a week, 20. Yeah. Something like that. And I'm and like, it's if you don't eat lunch or take any breaks. <laughs> yes. Well, you saw the sandwich get shoved in my mouth before we started this <laughs> podcast, which is normal. I've always eaten at my desk, but that's just me. Um, I don't recommend it, but that's no, that's I like it too. I and like I, to eat at my desk, but I, um, yeah, I'm just feeling like I don't have the time to do all, all the things. And yeah. I realize I can outsource some of this and maybe that's part of the solution, but you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <sighs> it is, it, it, you know, it, I recognize that that's a luxury and a, a blessing to have childcare that you can sort of just decide, Oh, I need more childcare. So I want to make sure that I say that with tremendous gratitude. Yeah. Well, Anything else you want to know about my deep, dark secrets of being organized? No, no, you know, I just, I will tell you, I've already purchased the clock. I did that. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> while we were talking. I think, you know, I think the most inspiring thing, and I lost my show notes. Where are they? Here we go. We, <laughs> the most inspiring thing for me is, you know, I've recognized the value of a daily routine for my kids. Um, I've always valued a, weekly batching schedule. And I do have somewhat of a startup and shutdown routine, but what happens in the middle part of my day has not been, um, scheduled. And so I'm inspired to kind of think about where I am today. What resources do I have in terms of time and how can I prioritize, um, my day to be able to give me that same level of clarity, organization, predictability, and, and those good things. So no, that's good. I, I, I do think that before we wrap up here, um, I, I want to talk about boundaries um, mm-hmm. because there are, um, I think we've mentioned a few of them, but there are just some boundaries in working in your business that I think are, are really important. And I don't know, this girl loves boundaries. So <laughs> <laughs> Me too. You get a boundary. You get a boundary. You get a boundary. And you know, if if this is something that's newer to you, I will say it was hard to put boundaries in place at first. I struggled with people pleasing, feeling like I was letting people down for not being more available, but then also feeling like I was letting my family down for being too available. And I just want to say that I know this can be a conflicted thing to start implementing 
but I want to reassure you that it gets easier and it feels more natural the more you do it. Like now I don't even think twice. Like, no, I'm not going to meet you at seven o'clock at night. What is wrong with you? That's almost my bedtime. <laughs> like, no, I'm not coming over on Saturday. <laughs> but yeah. for the first couple of years, it was, okay, absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll make that work. Sure, I'll see you at Saturday at 1 p.m. in the middle of my weekend and leave my baby at home. Okay. And I have never like, no. once, I have never once broken one of my own rules about meeting someone late at night or on the weekends and not regretted it. I, I'm not saying I haven't done it. I have done it in every single damn time. I'm sorry. I feel like I've had a potty mouth this morning. I'm just feeling a little fiery. So if we need to bleep anything out, I don't know what our boundaries are around those words, but anyway, <laughs> we, if, um, Anytime I have done it, I have lived to regret it. So you guys, these are really simple things that you can do in your business. For example, for me, as soon as I get off the phone with a client and we've decided, for me, usually it's a, a in-home consultation or perhaps a virtual consultation, um, they always get a, a quick a PDF that is about our services and one of the pages on there. And I have a Canva template. I've talked about the Canva templates before, but there's a page on there that talks about our working days and hours and our built-in holidays. So I even have built-in holidays that are like no questions asked. They get that from the very first moment they interact with me. And when you set that precedent from the very beginning, number one, you look really professional because you are professional. <laughs> number two, yes. they're more likely to respect it because they see that these you're not having to verbally tell them Oh no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. You've are, you might have to reiterate it. That is that has happened to me, but um it's in writing and when something's in writing, it is a standard. It is a protocol. It is a boundary that you have set. And to be honest, I know lots of designers who they're perfectly okay working in the evenings and meeting with clients mm -hmm. at that time of day. That's when they are their most creative and they're most alive. They're slower to start you know, mornings aren't, they're not morning people or whatever. If that's you, that's fine too. But just make sure that your clients know what it is. And you set that standard, that expectation. Communicate the expectations. Early. Yeah. Okay. So setting your working hours and days. I don't meet with clients on Mondays or Fridays actually. <laughs> Yeah, I will say the exception I have made is if I have a new project and we're trying to schedule a trade day, sometimes yes, you have you make it work. Yeah. Okay, fine. But on the regular, no. My clients know I only meet Tuesday, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Yeah, so a trade day you guys, if you're unfamiliar, it's the day where um you kick off the project by bringing in all of your trades whether it's a contractor, uh window covering professionals, flooring, whatever you know, wallpaper trade professional needs to come and see the project in order to provide you with a bid. There's a lot of coordination that goes in with getting all of these people um, together. And so for that reason, I agree. I am more yeah. flexible. But that's, that's kind of it that in terms of messing with my, my perfect week is that yeah. Not I understand for friends. <laughs> no, but if you're trying to get four contractors back to back for appointments, sometimes you got to make it on a Monday. All right, fine. We'll do it. But other than that, no, Monday's mine. The end. <laughs> Good deal. Um, automated schedulers. That's on our list. We both use, um, I use Dubsado, and so that is built into my website. And so clients have to book calls with me. And, well, 
an, uh, incoming new clients have to book calls with me. If they're an existing yeah, this client, is kind of the... me, they can pick up the phone and call me, but I don't text with my clients. Mm-hmm. Texting is a slippery slope. That is my personal boundary. I know a lot of designers are okay with texting. Uh, I There are certain exceptions where it's perfectly fine. Hey, I'm running late for a, our meeting. I'll be there in 10 minutes. Great, fine. Text me. Um, so, yeah. So, no texting. What else? I was going to say about the automated scheduler. I agree with you that this is for like, this is on my website and people can book a call. But with an, with an existing client, there's a bit more flexibility and we'll just talk like human beings. But yeah. Um, other boundaries. Oh, gosh. I don't bring my kids to meetings. I know <laughs> it's funny to have to even first. say, but like I, I sometimes I will say when my when my daughter was a newborn, like I don't know, six eight weeks old, mm-hmm. I brought her with me to site visits, not meetings where I had to be like a brain and talk like a grown up. Sure. It was like let's check on things, let's go pop in. Beyond that, like beyond when babies are tiny blobs you can carry, and everyone's like, oh, they're so cute. Nope, mm-mm. kids aren't coming. I've had clients say, bring your kids, it's fine. I'm like, are you crazy? Yeah, what happens if your kid has a blowout on you in front of your client? And you've got or a blow it. up and a tantrum. No, thank you. Nope, that's a boundary for me. My kids are cute, I, they're not coming to work. I think I've told this story on here before, but I was in the very like early months of starting my business, and we had a nanny, but it was only part-time. So on my days where it was just me and her, I would squeeze things in and I have two stories. One was I took her to the Kravitz showroom with me to get some samples and she was toddling around. And in the Kravitz showroom here, they have uh, like pads of paper and little like golf pencils for you to write down the skews for them to pull the samples. She had grabbed one of those pencils and drew all over the white walls in the crash. <laughs> and I was yep. mortified. So I went to the my rep there and I was like, I am so sorry. And of course, I had just opened my new account with them because I was just starting out and I was brand new. I, I think it might have been my second trip to the showroom. <laughs> Tell them that my kid wrote over the wall. Anyway, she was so gracious. She was like, girl, don't even worry about it. I was like, no, give me a sponge. I am going to go clean it. She's like, no, it's fine. I, she like, Aww. she wouldn't give me anything to clean it up with. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Anyway, I didn't take my kid back to showrooms ever again. Uh, but then there was another time, this new client at the time, who is now a very dear friend of mine, I went and had dinner with their family this week. Um, but she had three girls, uh, twins, uh, that were two of them were twins that were the exact same age as my daughter. And she insisted that I bring her with me and that the girls could play while we talked. And I was, you know, she also seemed like a great, lovely person. And I wanted to be her friend. Turns out we're great friends today, but this was my first visit <laughs> to her house and Nell peed on her <gasps> stair runner, which was so be- It was such a pretty oh stair. And I would go over stairs, like, oh my God, <laughs> what did you do? again amy super gracious um was like oh my gosh okay don't even worry about it like i have i have three under three like i get it and so we cleaned it up we laughed we had a glass of wine we've been great friends and buddies ever since then but you can't expect for the people to always be that gracious i got really lucky with a great kravitz showroom (laughs) person i got really lucky that amy was um you know, in the same boat with me, but yeah. if you can help it, try to not take your kids to these things. Yeah. And I certainly don't want this to feel judgmental to anyone that has to out of necessity. That can happen. And I get that. What, what we're saying is if there is the choice, I would choose not to, especially when they're paying me to be on 
yeah. as a designer. Because yeah. if my mind is half paying attention to my children, I'm not fully there. And that's not fair to my clients. So for me, no kids, especially early on in a project. I have brought my, you know, now that I say that, I'm like, I've brought my kids before to quick site checks. But again, it's like a site visit, checking on an installation. We're there for 15 well, minutes. It's not. It depends on how old your kids are too. Yes, it does. Yeah. Exactly. Like now I've, I've, you know, I've popped into a construction site, you know, project with Nell because I want Nell to see what I'm doing. I, she likes it. She thinks it's cool. She gets to put on the hired hat. So she's a little bit older and I, in, you know, a situation like that, totally fine. We're well-established me and my client and they know I have kids and that's different. So, you know, you use your own judgment. You do what works best for you and what's within the realm of possibility. But like Leslie says, if you have a choice, if you have young children, it can and they're paying, it can be really yeah. difficult to to appear professional if you've got a. I just I remember going through <laughs> customs one time on a trip, and I had Mona on me in the carrier, and she had a blowout, and I was oh. in the middle anyway. And I got through there, and the guard, the security guard, was like, she. They why do they check your hands? I don't remember why they like do a. In case light you have explosives or powder. Yeah, well, or I did. I did have explosives on my hand. Oh my face. god! I was like, I was like, yeah, that's poop. Um, can we make this fast? And she was like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. So I I couldn't leave the line. I had to stay yeah. in line. But just imagine that happening at a client visit. Oh my gosh, I would die. Yeah. Oh. Well, this has been fun. I love this topic, as you can tell. And I think you're on your way, Bendawal. You've got a good start. You know that you need some structure. But it doesn't start now because I have a doctor's visit in 40 minutes and I'm going to have to leave all my crap on my desk and run off and do that. And then I'll come down and do my shutdown routine later. And that's life. You have to flex. There is no perfect schedule. I make these plans. It's like, make your plans, but hold them loosely. Do your best, but you've got to be flexible, especially now. Things don't look like they should on paper and that's okay. But I think this sets you up for the best possible start that you can have. Yeah. No, I love it. Well, we need to get on our own routine of uh, Skype or Zoom happy hour, you and me. I know. Make time for friends and family in these routines, you guys, too. Yes. Check yep. in with check in with the people that you love, especially your extroverted friends. <laughs> or your friends with children who are introverts who are tired of getting talked at all day long and would love a grown-up conversation with someone. Anywho, yeah. Kate, what's the, what's the cool thing you found this week that you want to share? We need a little something fun to dive into. Oh, yay. I am super excited. Oops. Um, I am super excited to share with you guys an artist that I recently came across named Tiff Manuel. I think I'm saying that correctly. Um, her art is so fun and so beautiful. Um, she's Australian and her art is these brightly colored abstract works with a mix of organic and geometric shapes. Um, we will link to the resources mentioned, but I keep an Evernote of art. Well, all things plumbing, tile, wallpaper, but I also have an Evernote list of artists. So if I'm ever needing to curate, you know, custom art or um, prints, then I have a list of artists that I can go to. So I recommend you starting a database of what artists where you can get one of a kind art and uh, start with Tiff Manuel. If you don't already have this, her work is so fun. I can see this in a lot of different places. Oh, and she also has 
bags and accessories and clothing and greeting cards. So if you need some really beautiful thank you notes for your office, um, check her out. Leslie, what is your favorite thing that you discovered this week? Mine is silly compared to you sharing such a talented artist because I love original art and I'm going to start thinking of better things to share on these. Okay, this this is my <laughs> cool thing this week. I'm probably the only designer that does not subscribe to Shelter magazines. I just find like I never read them, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. But every time I go to a store, I want to buy one. And I'm like, but it's like $6. Why would I pay $6? And so I was randomly on Amazon shopping for, I don't even know what. And I know that the the prices fluctuate, so I'm not sure when this episode airs what the price will be, but they had a ton of really good subscriptions for $10 a year. So I got House Beautiful, El Decor, Real Simple, and Ink Mag. Ink Magazine was five bucks. I was like, okay. So basically, I'm going to nerd out on pretty things coming to my door and new pictures I can tack up on my wall. And I'm just, <laughs> I know it's so silly. And you know well, why I resisted? Really, I'm, I'm actually about to cry because it's timely. I have, we have not been able to get our mail forwarding situation. I haven't shared this, but we're not getting our mail forwarded, even though I've done all the things. Ugh. And um, I got an email that says your magazines will subscriptions will no longer be forwarded. You're going to need to contact the subscript subscriptions directly. So I haven't had any new fresh magazines cause I'm a magazine whore and I love them. And this is what I do on Saturday morning with my cup of coffee. Children oh. are not allowed to talk. My children are not allowed to talk to me. They need to go find something to do. I don't care if it's screen time, but I sit there till like 10 AM and I thumb through all my magazines and I love it. And I haven't gotten any new magazines and it makes me very very sad. Well, if you need a quick and dirty subscription, you go to Amazon and go get one. But paying for two subscriptions. Great. I'm just excited. Like I I I think it's gonna be fun to have something new. Just like that that little fun thing to come in the mail and and spice up and keep you inspired. So keep it cheerful. Shocked that you haven't done it sooner, but I'm proud of you for jumping on the magazine bandwagon. Well thank you. Um you should also go back and do um uh, house and home that's my favorite canadian house and home or is there a u.s mm-hmm. version i love that i used to, when favorite. i lived in canada i read that all the time it's probably not ten dollars but i'll take a look and see also the european house and garden is my other favorite. oh yes and i also love living etc the british one yes oh i forgot about that i used to get that a long time ago Go order all this could be magazines. its own episode. Magazines we love. Anywho, this has been a long episode, but I hope it's had good information. I hope it's been inspiring. I hope you're going to be a nerd and make a calendar and a schedule and then tell us all about it. Tag us on Instagram and share your stuff because we're super jacked for you. This is great. Awesome. All right, Leslie, this has been so fun. I am so glad to be back in the recording studio with your beautiful face and our listeners. We've been getting some really sweet comments and feedback from our listeners saying that they've missed us. We've missed you. And we look forward to um, just continuing to bring relevant subjects and topics. And as always, if you have a uh, topic request, you can go to our website, Designers getting coffee i've run three websites so i had to think about that for a second designersgettingcoffee.com and submit your question or topic idea see you next week guys Bye. bye hey designer thanks for sharing part of your day with us if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and leave a review on apple podcasts so we can continue to connect with badass design bosses like you we'd love to hear your feedback and are so grateful that you're sharing the show with your designer friends 
For more Designers Getting Coffee and to join the conversation, head over to designersgettingcoffee.com for show notes, free downloads, and more. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at designersgettingcoffee. 